This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome once again to Line Dance Podcast with Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Barcelia. We are on the road, kicking it old school to Stoney's Rockin' Rodeo to help celebrate our friend Keith Anderson's birthday, which was, I believe, August 1st. Yes, it was. Today is August 3rd, and this is his first opportunity to get out and get his boogie on. So we will be heading there, hopefully arriving by 10-something, which is still pretty early in the night, considering when lessons start, and we'll be there, no doubt, until they close the doors. That's us. Yep. Uh, While we make this drive, we will be continuing our list of 350 good questions to ask. And we left off at number 87, so we're picking it up with number 88. What's the most depressing meal you've eaten? (laughs) Okay, so just in general, it's pretty bad. (laughs) It was mostly condiments, I think, if I remember correctly, on like... A tortilla. Mm. <laughs> Just making the best of what's there. Uh-huh. Like, it was a tortilla, because that was all that was left. And then I was trying to figure out, like, the condiments. And unfortunately, normally, a great snack, highly recommend it, love it, is a flour tortilla with Nutella on one half of it, peanut butter on the other half, and cut up bananas. Interesting. Really good. This was not that. <laughs> Um, however, when it comes to line dance events, that's a whole nother story. And I really can't say that it's been depressing, but it's definitely been on the, yes, this is my life. I have $5 to last me the weekend for food. Target, here I come. And... <laughs> There are some days when we don't want to necessarily wake up early. We want to get sleep, but we can't afford to pass up the free breakfast of egg-like substance and... <laughs> and um, watered-down milk. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the juice that doesn't quite taste like juice. <laughs> it's a little too sour and a little too syrupy. Generally speaking, their toast is pretty good, though. I, I <laughs> drench my waffle in, in syrup and butter. Because it's the only time I get waffles, really. Right. Um, and it's so weird because, like, you pour the batter in the cup and it doesn't look appetizing. You would never drink that batter. Even if you mixed it with a bunch of syrup and butter, you wouldn't drink the batter. But you put it into the waffle maker and all of a sudden it's a meal. Yes. Weird how that works. Yeah. I definitely know that there's been a couple events where we've gotten up early, gone to breakfast, and then went back to bed. Yes. I know that we've done that a few times. Yes. Just because we can't afford to miss the breakfast. Right. Because there's... I mean, this whole taking an Uber to the nearest Walmart and stocking up for four days, that's fairly new. Uh, We haven't always had that uh, in our minds as an option. So, more often than not, it's just what... What's within arm's reach? What can we get that isn't hotel gift shop? But we've done hotel gift shop, too. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I definitely wouldn't say it's depressing in the sense of like when I was enjoying said meal because I loved it, 
but hindsight, it's very depressing that I lived off of Starbucks's white chocolate mochas. Like, literally lived off. That was my breakfast. That was my lunch. That was my dinner. I didn't have anything else with them. It was just straight the coffee. <laughs> so, uh, it's depressing to think about it nowadays because I look at that one. That's $15 a day that I was spending on coffee that I could have spent on food. And two, that that was what I was living off of. You remind me of the uh, Ben and Jerry's ice cream flavor. Coffee, 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 buzz, buzz, buzz. <laughs> yeah. And I'm still going strong. Wait, wait, what am I on? Like eight months now? Caffeine free? Yep. It's been a, it's been a tricky one. And at this rate, you might make it the whole year. Because if you can make it to October, that's only two months from now. Mm-hmm. We're, we're in August now. And then and I'm only two months away from the year. Exactly. And we'll see Amy in October. So... That would be great to, to report in. Right. It's so hard today, too, because, like, my my boss came back from lunch. She's holding her Starbucks mug. And I'm like, oh, white chocolate mocha. It sounds so good. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I didn't do it. Well, that's good. <laughs> Next up we have, what tips or tricks have you picked up from your job slash jobs? Interesting. Well, patience, definitely. Um, I certainly have a customer service voice, which is very interesting. Um, I I used to not think that I had a customer service phone voice until one of my friends pointed it out, and I very much do have a customer service phone voice. Um, Some of the other things I've picked up, interesting habits, um... I was a uh, merchandise and marketing individual for a clothing store. And so now all of my shirts, when I hang them up in my closet, get hung from tank tops to short sleeves, long sleeve, and in those brackets get the Roy G. Biv colors. Hmm. And then white and black at the end. Interesting. And that's because that's how the marketing was for the department stores. They tend to put red in the front, black in the back, and all the colors in between in the Roy G. Bib color. So it's definitely something I've picked up as well. Um, I used to alphabetize my movies by genre as well. Hmm. And that came from years of working in a movie and music store. So, like, I knew if I wanted to watch a sci-fi or if I wanted to watch a Disney or if I wanted to watch a family film or a comedy, they were in their sections. Um, As for dance-related stuff, I don't know. There's... There's a lot of, like, tips and tricks that I've, I've taken from, like, classes, but I don't know if I've, if I've figured out anything that I could, like, recommend when it comes to, like, teaching or anything like that besides just being prepared. Yeah, I, I've thought about writing maybe at the, the, the very end of my singing and guitaring career could write a small booklet or guide on the things that I've learned. 
because I would, I would like to see what it looks like when it's all organized. But yeah, being prepared is big. Uh, the first thing that came to mind was one of the things we've heard regarding uh, the dance world, that you're on as soon as the plane hits the ground. Uh, lands, I should say, because yeah. hitting the ground. <laughs> Sounds anyway. a little rough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I found that that kind of applies when I, I'm about to go into one of the senior communities where I sing, is that it does not look good, uh, and I don't recall having ever done this, uh, it does not look good or as good to start with a neutral or concerned or worried face and then turn it into a smile because people can see you doing that. It looks weird and fake. Um, better to walk in with a smile and that really sets the tone. It'll make the rest of your hour so much easier if you don't have to change their tone from, oh, something looks wrong with him. I wonder if maybe he's having a tough day. Oh, oh okay, I think maybe he's all right. Like, you don't have to change their attitude. Like, you just walk in smiling, and then they see that, and they start smiling. They don't even have to think about it. And then the rest of the hour, you just have to maintain that energy. Easy enough. Yeah. Uh, so if you can think of something to smile about before you get into the building, like before you leave the car, and definitely long before they can see you, uh, then the first thing that they will see is something that makes them smile, and there's never any question of um, you know what's really going on. Mm -hmm. If you apply that to dance, um, you can help people quickly forget about whatever it was they walked into the dance floor with. Uh, if you look prepared and happy and ready to bring them into this whole other world, yeah. And also knowing and and preparing for. Um, interruptions that most people wouldn't expect like you break a string or um, you know somebody is talking loudly across the room uh, there are things that you can do in guitaring and with dance that can fill that time so be ready to fill time if you need to uh, it's helpful to have a few little facts while you're, let's say you know, you're up on stage and you're about to do your lesson and the mic isn't working. Because I know I've had times when my mic isn't working when I'm about to sing. Um, if you have a little fact or story about whatever the dance or song is, then you can just kind of patter through and not give people uh, a chance to get distracted and find something else to do or look at yeah. or think about. Because you're trying to bring them into this other space of mind and you don't want them to slip back into whatever they were thinking before you got in there because then again it's going to be harder to pull them back to where you want them to be um, if you can keep the bridge um, going with you know something related to what it is that you do uh, even I mean even if you have nothing at all about what it is that you were about to sing just talk about the room, talk about the weather, ask a question, notice something that somebody's wearing, ask about that, have them be the, the person to fill the time for you, but don't let there be too much dead air. Dead air is super awkward. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, something I was thinking about while you were talking, a few things I've, I've learned from being like a manager is motivating people. Is how to keep people engaged and on task and motivated and check in. It's huge. 
um, a lot of things that managers fail at is delegation and follow-up. So, like, first, a lot of managers are very much the, I'll do everything myself. So the delegation part gets missed. And then the next step in management is, like, they'll delegate, but they have a hard time following up um, because they don't want to, like, you know, make their their associate feel like they're hovering or something like that. Um, and it's just, it's really important to find that balance. And I feel like... I've been able to carry that over into my teaching in the idea that, you know, like keeping people engaged and like you said, the dead air thing, um, you know, keeping them engaged is, is tricky at times, especially when you're teaching to, you know, a bar full of people who are enjoying the beverages, you know, it can, it can be kind of like herding cats. Um, and there's also the idea of like checking in with them and how they're doing in the sense of like are we, are we all on the same page do I need to go over anything any you know break anything else down or something like that and I think that's really helped I would say like to take it from my jobs to pulling it into teaching so um, and I know that we've also done the idea of like when we're away on trips We've been able to ask someone in which we trust, one of our, you know, former students from Sonoma State Line Dance Club, Leah, to fill in for us. So it's almost like because we're delegating that opportunity to her and she's more than one occasion stepped up and exceeded expectations. So. Hmm. That reminds me of um, one of the other things one can do to prepare is having something in your back pocket that you can do quickly and easily just in case everything does not go according to plan. Like, sometimes my mic dies and I have way too long in the rest of my set to get away with just not singing. Like, I can't leave early. You know, we have so many songs we still need to get through. Um, so I like to have several songs ready that people can sing along to so that I can tell them, all right, for this next one, I might need your guys' voices since uh, I don't have my mic working right now and it'll really add to the volume of the room. And I don't like to necessarily use up those songs too early. Uh, If I have a working mic, sometimes I like to just use uh, songs that I need my mic for Mm -hmm. just in case I don't have my mic because then they won't be an option if I, you know, lose battery power or something. Right. So with dance, it's nice to, if, you know, you just can't get the music up. I've never had to do this myself, but if you can think of a song that everybody would know and be able to sing along with, then you might be able to do the entire dance through almost karaoke style, uh, just, you know, so that there's some kind of music playing. That would be, you know, kind of weird and disorganized but uh, it could also be really fun definitely that but isn't I want to say doesn't cowboy rhythm I could be totally thinking of a different song, dance though but isn't there a dance that like when you do the steps and you have like the claps and the stomps it has its own beat to it too huh yeah, I thought it was cowboy rhythm I could totally be wrong though I don't know 
I do remember talking to somebody in the last few months about how maybe it was Brian McWhorter about mandolin. He definitely said about uh, one of his dances. I yeah. know that. How he likes the sound of it. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder what it was. I don't know. Um, Anyways. Yeah. So there were th- <laughs> there were three other things that came to mind. Okay. Uh, one was pacing. So just kind of like bookmarking these in my head. Uh, pacing, narrative, and scattering. So I'll start with scattering because I'll probably forget that one soonest. Uh, <clears throat> when you don't know your crowd yet, if you're teaching to people and you don't know their tastes, like for us, it's easy because we have people that you know, have lots of requests already, so we know what they're going to like. If you have a crowd you don't know as well, one of the things that uh, works for me with selecting songs for a set as well as something that Jeff has taught us, or, uh, when we were at a gig, he mentioned you know, this is one of the things he uses for... Um, determining the set of a night when he's playing at a party or something when he's DJing. He said, play a variety early on and see what they respond to. So in the first hour, if you're just playing everything, you know, every genre, different tempos, and you see what they get really into, that's what you focus on for the rest of the set. Mm -hmm. And you just play within that because you know they're probably going to like it. I do the same thing with music where if I don't know the crowd... I will go all over the place. Country, uh, classic crooners, uh, slow waltzes, old-time 1800s sing-alongs, just everything, because uh, they'll probably like some more than others. Uh, that, can, that can work for starting a dance night when you don't know what they're going to actually dance to or what they'd be interested in. Having a few different lessons handy, like you know, Love Repeats for contemporary music, K is for Kicks for contemporary music, but also, you know, having an electric slide with some 90s country or something. Because you don't know what they're going to be into, what they're going to be expecting. Um, and then, narrative. One of the things that I like to do with my guitar sets, when possible, is develop a theme. And I don't always know what the theme is going to be. I'll just start playing stuff. And then somebody will say, hey, could you play da 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 And then I'll play whatever the thing is. Like, let's say they want King of the Road. Now, all of a sudden, I'm going to start a railroad set. And I have a few songs about railroads that I can do. Now, if it looks like I have, this is the beginning of the set, and I have a long ways to go, and I'm going to run out of railroad songs pretty soon, I save one song for the end of that stream that bridges to another theme. So now it's, uh, say, Folsom Prison Blues. That's my last railroad song. But it's also a song about prison. So... I can start talking about or singing about uh, you know guys in prison, like um, uh, down in the valley, where at the end you find out he's in Birmingham jail, or Mama tried, where he's uh, 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 t- he turned twenty one in prison doing life without parole, you know different different songs of that kind, and you just keep bridging them until you get to the end of the set, and partly that's fun for the entertainer because it gives them just something to play with, something new, but it's also fun for the people in the audience because it makes them feel like you created something in the present moment based on your interactions with them. You didn't come in over-prepared, and you, you didn't read from a script in doing what it was you were doing as though you could have done that anywhere at any time, and who they were wasn't important. Yeah. Your set couldn't have existed without their input, and you can do the same thing with dance where... If you, know, you have that kind of freedom over the playlist, you can base it off of an offhanded comment 
or hey I liked that thing that you did in that dance let's do such and such dance next because that reminded me of this other dance it lets people know that you're you're not just you know either on shuffle and everything is meaningless and random and the universe doesn't love you um, <laughs> and it's also not a form that you know you just submit and then get your pay at the end of the night I like the universe doesn't love you yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the last one was pacing which is just kind of an idea uh, the idea that there's rise and fall and variety because like same thing happens when I'm doing my guitar sets I don't want to just blast them with a bunch of really high energy bluegrass or something even if it looks like they're having fun sometimes they need a break and they don't know it um, so I'll, I'll take them up to a certain energy point and then I'll do a nice little bump a bump a bump a kind of like middle song and then I'll slow it down to you know let me call you sweetheart or something very thoughtful and I'll let them hang out there for a little while and then I'll start building it back up. Unless they feel, if it feels like, you know, they're not giving you a lot of energy on those real slow stuff, then I'll be like, all right, Folsom Prison Blues it is, and we get right back up to the top. You, know? <laughs> uh, you can do that with dance, of course, and with the, any of the DJ-focused episodes we've had in the past. We've talked about uh, rise and fall of energy and uh, not shocking them in one direction or the other too hard. You want it to kind of flow while also being based on who is on the floor. So yeah, tips and tricks from my job. There might be more. Uh, oh, show up looking like a professional. Show yes. up looking like uh, you are there with the intent to do what it is that you're doing and you're not just some random pulled off the street. I totally agree with that. That is certainly something I've learned throughout all of my professions. Um, whether there was a uniform or not is you definitely needed to look a certain part because otherwise people wouldn't assume that you are that. Yeah. Um, I was very young when I was a store manager, so a lot of people didn't think I would be the store manager until I started dressing the part, and then I started, you know, people were addressing me as such. Gives you authority. Yeah. Um, it sets you apart. It gives... A, it's also just... It feels good to give yourself a little bit higher expectation oh, yeah. when it comes to professionally dressing. Um, it shows but, that you care. So yeah, because there's definitely like, you know, for instance, right now we're headed to Stoney's. I'm in a tank top and, and shorts. You know, it's totally different outfit than I would be wearing, say, at um, a dance event. Especially where you're on staff. Exactly. Um, and that's because I like the idea that there's all these personalities of me, but when I am honored with the ability to be the instructor for the evening or the event or whatever the case may be, I like to give them a little bit something extra as a thank you for giving me the opportunity and it's to show that I'm, I'm, I appreciate it and I, I hold myself to a little bit higher standard in doing that by dressing a little bit more like I, I really genuinely care and I mean I think about like oh well if I'm going to be teaching they're going to be staring at my back for a little bit what, what should I be wearing and sometimes you know that's an opportunity for me to wear one of my event shirts if there's an event coming up that I want to help promote, you know, and it's kind of fun to be able to do that as well. All right. 
Yeah, for, for my gigs, I wear uh, black slacks, black uh, sport coat, uh, collared shirt, one of a few different fancy collared shirts that I have. And it doesn't have to be anything you know, super elaborate, but it's just you know, nice. N- nicer than you know, my laundry t-shirt and torn-up jeans or something. Or I guess it's your laundry day t-shirt. <laughs> the one you wear when nobody's right. looking. <clears throat> Number 90. What outdoor activity haven't you tried but would like to? I would say either zip lining or skydiving, something with heights and speed. I like the idea of zip lining. I I like the idea of skydiving. I don't know if I could ever do it though. I like I feel like zip lining I'd have a better chance of doing than skydiving. Um but both are very going to be very challenging because it's something that I, I really want to do. But I'm very much afraid of heights. So if I could get someone to go with me that no matter how many times I start breaking out in tears, that they'll still get me to zip line, then I'll, I'll love them forever afterwards. I promise. It's always how it works. But it's the 10 minutes before it's my turn I get that little panic. So, <laughs> don't fall for it. <laughs> Get me on there. Um, but, it's, yeah, that would be really cool. Um, I've done it before, but I was like four years old. I want to go horseback riding. Huh. Again, like I said, I was four years old and I, I haven't done it since. So, it's been 30 years. Good lord. Yeah. Um, I would love to do horseback riding. Um, I don't know. I do a lot of outdoor stuff. I've done the mountain biking. I've done the hiking. I've done, like, you know, sports outside. I've done the camping. You know, one of the zip lines that looks fun is that uh, one they have in Vegas on Folsom Street. Oh, you mean the one that goes through, like, the tunnel thing? Yeah. Yeah, that looks really cool. Um, you know what I haven't done? I haven't done any backpacking through a foreign country. That might be fun. Oh, yeah. That is outdoors. That is outdoors. Um, and I've never been snorkeling or scuba diving. So one of those might be fun. Oh. You know what else would actually be really fun, which you've done? What? Whitewater rafting. Oh yeah, I, w- I would love to be able to do that. We should do a line dance whitewater trip. Anyone in the sound uh, <laughs> of my voice, you're invited for some whitewater rafting on the American River. That would be a lot of fun. It'd be really cool. Yeah. Surfing, I think, would be something that I would be good at, but I've never tried it. And I, you might have in the past said snowboarding, but I think I'd be content with surfing. I would definitely be more inclined to surf than yeah. snowboard. Yeah. Snowboarding is cold. Yeah, I feel like I, having my my ankles trapped on the board wouldn't be a good feeling. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't want to twist anything. I want to swim with sharks. That's outdoors. And dolphins. <laughs> Obviously not together. <laughs> but I want to swim with them. That would be fun. I could spend a lot of time on this because, like, you know, oh, um, 
a few years ago. I think it was where Italiano was filmed. Turkey. Turkey. Isn't there a line dancing outside? Yes. All all those videos are outside. That would be cool. Yes. I've not been to an event that's outside yet like that. I mean, obviously we've done like, you know, fairs and, you know, markets and whatnot, but I've not had an actual event outside. That would be fun. Speaking of which, if anybody is listening to this who's in the Santa Rosa area and you happen to want to go to the county fair on a Saturday or Sunday in the next couple of weeks, the Cowtown Cowgirls are performing. Oh. Yeah, for like a 40-minute set each night. I must day. have missed their post on that. I haven't they, seen it yet. They didn't. I actually found it really? from, from the uh, fair page. I'm surprised. They normally every, every year advertise so that people can come out and see them. Yeah. I was also surprised. Maybe they just want it to be a surprise for people. I guess. Who knows? Next up, what songs hit you with a wave of nostalgia every time you hear them? Ooh. Uh, there's a few. Yeah. Jeff actually played a couple of them last night. Did he? One oh, of them yeah. was The Race Is On by Sawyer Brown. It's one of my favorite, favorite old songs that I grew up with. They're actually performing at the county fair. Um, so that's a surprise. I haven't seen them since I was like eight or ten or something like that. I'm mean, like real little. So like there's part of me that's inclined to figure out when they're playing and see if I can't catch a set. Um, that's, that's definitely one of them. Uh, Romeo, which is one of the songs we use for uh, Barroom Romeo. By Dolly Parton and Billy Ray Cyrus and Kathy Mateus and a long list of other amazing female country artists. It's definitely one of those that takes me back. Hmm. What about you? Some of mine are secret because if I ever have, if I'm ever in like a clone situation and I need to prove that it's me, then I would need to like produce that music. And well, hopefully you would let whoever you're trying to prove to you know prior to having to prove to well, them. It, it would be like my parents okay. or my my sister or my grand, maybe my grandma. Like I don't even know if they remember some of these songs. But the tricky thing with music and nostalgia is you really can't overplay that music later in life, or you'll develop new associations with it, and it takes you to that place, and then it doesn't involuntarily send you back to wherever from before. Yeah. So there are some artists and there are some albums that I just don't listen to and all I have is memories. Like, I listen to them on audio cassette. So, I mean, I, I don't even own the CDs. I could probably find them on Spotify, but I'd rather keep those memories safe. Uh, but there are a few... There are a few songs from, let's say, like, you know, less secretively... Um, there are some songs that I used to play on loop in like late high school or early college where you know, they, they might be like not super special for everyone, but I remember where I was in life at that time when I listened to them. So Oh yeah. No, yeah. there's a few songs like if you were to if you were to say Moulin Rouge soundtrack, I could tell you exactly where I was, what I was doing. Kind of situation. 
I do have one or two of those kind of special tracks that like I haven't listened to for years and then I heard the track and it like killed me almost because of how like emotional it was for me um one of them took me by complete surprise uh was one of the ones uh that I got to see Garth Brooks perform. Mm. And uh, it moved me to tears. It was so emotional for me because it was like... It brought me back to that that spot as a kid. And just like thinking about like everything that's happened since then. And just all that like... Yeah. One that I will share... And I trust the universe and all of our listeners not to, like, abuse this in any way. And I'm sure you can sympathize with this one as well. Um, Eye to Eye from a Goofy movie. And really most of the music in that movie, but especially that one. Because I remember being that kid at that age and having those hopeless crushes and just the transcendent feeling of like it's all gonna work out like it's all turning out okay even with all the problems that have gotten in the way of this journey like this this makes me feel like you know it, it, it's all going according to some kind of plan and you know, I, I can make it back home uh, feeling like you know, I, I won yeah that that's actually one of my favorite movies that brings back the nostalgic feeling and a lot of things have changed in the circumstances surrounding like being in the theater and watching that movie because that was actually the first movie that my now ex stepdad brought me and my brother to and it was so cool. It was so much fun. I remember that whole day, like, it's nobody's business. And it's all positive memories. Yeah. And that's the cool thing about it is, like, it's able to bring back such a warm feeling. Yeah. Even with everything that's happened since then. So it's, like, it's I'm still able to look back on the fondness of it. And it's, I mean, it's such a great movie. <laughs> it's a great soundtrack. <laughs> For me, it was... Kind of um, one of those, like, I don't know if you've ever had those dreams where you're watching some TV show and then you wake up and you want to watch the show and you realize you dreamed the whole thing. Yes. I never, as far as I know, I, I, I haven't watched it with anyone and it was never a big part of pop culture the way Lion King and everything else was. So it felt like it was my secret. Oh, like, yeah. I, I owned it on VHS. I never saw it in theaters. Um, and it was one of the few videos I personally owned like it wasn't part of the family's collection it wasn't something we watched on movie night or anything it was just my movie and I watched it alone so whenever he was experiencing feelings I didn't have to like you know watch the movie impassively like I wasn't experiencing anything myself I could feel deeply what he was feeling all the highs and lows and so I still have all of the emotional attachments and memories based on what I felt then. Yeah, no. And now that you think about it, I think I'm shocked when I find out that people know the songs in this movie. Yeah. 
I'm like, I'm like genuinely surprised. Like, wait a minute, you know this movie? How do you know this movie? Like, totally disregarding the fact that it's a Disney movie. Right. <laughs> but it's still one of those that, like, because like you said, it really didn't hit big the way some of the other ones did. Um, but I think it's like one of those, lack of a better term, like a cult kind of film where you just like the people who know about this film love this film yep. and know this film inside and out and they are fans of it and like you know it's got its own following yeah like Rescuers Down Under or Great Mouse Detective yes I love those movies and there is a certain point in life where you can still enjoy it but it's kind of too late for you to connect in some ways like with the kid in Rescuers Down Under, you're never going to be that age again. Uh, same with you know, whoever was in uh, Great Mouse Detective, you know, the little girl, yeah. uh, the little girl mouse. Like, um, you can't, you can't really imagine yourself in that position when you're thirty something years old, in the same way that you would have if you were like eight. Right. Well, and I've had the experience too, especially with movies per se. Um, of being like so excited because oh my gosh it's the My Little Pony movie that I watched to the point where my tape broke and my mom had to buy me a new one and then I watched it again as an adult and went oh my god what is this yeah some you stuff know. doesn't hold up <laughs> you just kind of look back and go yep I was young yeah <laughs> but I haven't had a whole lot of that when it comes to songs mm. like and I wonder if that has more to do with the feelings that you go through when it comes to music and how it touches on certain points of your life and when you attach yourself to to a song it really makes sense for what you're experiencing or going through or wish to be going through because um, I, I think about it like this and I'm like you know there's there's the tracks that make you feel good. There's the tracks that make you feel emotional. There's the tracks that make you feel like, wow, I remember when things were so much easier and so much simpler and mom just took care of everything, you know. And there's those tracks where you're like, oh, I remember that amazing summer where me and so-and-so did all these crazy things that, like, we never thought we'd be able to do. And it was more like a challenging dare, and there's a lot of things, like, too, where dances, even. Mm. I think about, like, oh, I remember where I learned that one. Right. I remember where I learned that one. And then there's the other ones that, like, you have your moments with and you just enjoy. But you don't get that same nostalgic feeling. Yeah. And sometimes, like, you know, chill factor, it's hard to really attach that to back in the country bar where you learned it when you've done it so many times in the years since then. Mm-hmm. I was actually going through some songs just in my head seeing like is there anything that I haven't done since way back when I learned it that I still feel you know, positive feelings for that aren't related to new new memories. Yeah and it's interesting because certain songs and dances for me can still hold both. Like tailgate, tailgate has two separate emotions with it because one, that's you know me and my girls dance. That's our song. That's our dance. We went all out on that. We had so much fun with that. 
But then I also got to experience it in Colorado with another group of amazing dancers and they had just as much fun and they were doing their own thing with it. Then now I have two separate memories, two separate associations with it, but I don't hear the dance enough for there to be any like, you know, convoluted mess of it. It's like, I only associate it with Colorado and with my girls. And when I'm dancing it in Colorado, I'm wishing my girls were there. So I can hold, and like when I danced with them after the first time I got to dance it in Colorado, I wish that they could have experienced what it was like in Colorado. So it's like, there are those few that I'm able to separate, but like you said, the chill factor, it's like, I have no separate memory. It's done everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, a couple that would, uh, that might have maybe a longer time ago given me some like specific old memories would be Ooh Boy by The Real McCoy for the dance GMC. problem with that is that after a while, uh, after Kodiaks and Mavericks closed, the only people who knew it were, you know, people who had kind of their own little exclusive group that I wasn't part of. And so I don't have as many untainted older memories surviving. Uh, and then with the song uh, I'm a Cowboy Yeah, I guess it's called I'm a Cowboy uh, by Smoking Armadillos for the dance, which I believe is also called I'm a Cowboy or The Cowboy or Cowboy, depending on where you are. Uh, I forget which one is on the step sheet. Uh, that one I used to really like at Mavericks because uh, I eventually caught on to when they would do the woo woo problem with that one. After... Mavericks closed and seeing it done in other places, I would want to do the woo-woo. Apparently, other places didn't do it in the same place or consistently or at all. So that made me kind of sad and kind of squelched. And so now I don't just have the pure older memories, I also have the disappointed memories. Yeah. Um, Beers Ago would have been one of them for 52 Beers Ago because I used to really love doing that one when I knew only like two or three other people were probably going to do it. Uh, whenever it was played and I would remember where the restart was but then there's also the disappointment of going to somewhere like the grad and they do some other dance to it I think they do 1,452 beers ago and at Mavericks we did 52 beers ago and the song is actually called Beers Ago Um, one that I think it, it would probably be the best candidate for untainted only positive memories I don't know if it necessarily like sends me back there exactly, but it's the closest I've got, would be the song That Thing We Do by Blake Shelton for the dance Things We Do uh, by, I think it's Robbie McGowan Hickey. And that was one of those where only a few of us at the end of the night would do it and remember it. And it was taught, you know, people would do it when on the nights that it was taught, but then afterwards they would just kind of like not do it when it was played. And that one is such just a sweet, happy song. And I've never, I've never like gone to another place where the song is played and they're doing some, some other dance. I've never felt like, because it wasn't really done at when, once Mavericks closed, it wasn't really done at that other bar where people would go. Um, so I didn't get the exclusive, not in the in crowd feeling. It was only, it was only at Mavericks and then it just stopped. 
So that's probably the closest I've got to nostalgia for a certain song and uh, that dance, which also has you know happy associations just in doing the dance. It's got some fun hip stuff, which I was still just getting acquainted with, you know, that early on. Uh, it's got shuffles. So it's got that bounce polka type feel. A lot of good stuff going on there. Yeah, I think most of my nostalgic, reminiscent feelings when it comes to dances has to do with specific dances to specific songs. Mm. So, for instance, Cruisin'. Mm. There's two songs in particular that comes to mind. Um, one would be Kiss the Girl. Uh, the country cover, obviously. Right. By Little Texas. By Little Texas, yes. And the other would be Beer Money. Oh, yes. And that's because if I'm doing cruising to the, the, either of those tracks, chances are I'm dancing across from my friend Sarah, who I call my wifey. Because that is what we do. We do it contra style. We partner up. And she was always my partner for cruising. So, if those two tracks are played, then it's very nostalgic. But if Cruisin' has done any other song, then it doesn't have the same effect. Right. But it's that song, to, or that dance to that, those songs that bring me to that, like, oh, yay, um, feeling. So, there's stuff like that that happens, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think, like... Um, I don't know if I'd necessarily call it nostalgic, but it definitely brings me back anytime I hear Neon Moon. Hmm. It brings me back to Vegas. Hmm. My first year where Maddie and Will were singing karaoke. Hmm. And, like, it's just one of those things, again, it doesn't necessarily bring the nostalgic feeling, but it does remind me of that, and it does kind of make me smile a little bit, like, oh, yeah. And then, you know, kind of let it go, as opposed to, like, the really, like, emotional, like, attachment. One other one, along with things we do that would have positive associations, but it just has one slight complication, would be... Uh, the song You Can Call Me Al by Paul Simon for the dance Tumbleweed. Because it was another one of those where I learned it at Kodiak's and occasionally we would get to do it at Mavericks. So I never really got that feeling of you know doing it to death or doing mm-hmm. it in um, a setting where I felt you know, not, not great yeah. about it. Uh, it was only ever really done for me... Uh, at Kodiak's with like a tiny little bit of like throwback doing it at uh, Mavericks. Problem with that is I don't really remember the dance. I don't think I was ever really that confident about it then either. Most of the time I followed it and it's a weird number of counts. Like really weird. Like 26 or 29 or something odd. Something very very unusual what you wouldn't what you wouldn't expect for a line dance. And because of that it doesn't give me that feeling of, ah, I got it all figured out, like doing things we do, you know, no tags, yeah. no restarts. This one, you're just very alert. <laughs> you're just making sure you don't throw yourself off. So now, what are your thoughts on the 11-11 mashup? Now, that one I was actually thinking about as well, because that that's another one of those kind of two memories, but I don't really have memories of doing it at Showdown. I think I was too exhausted or 
Um, Adrenaline. Yeah, and it was so quick, you know. We was, we went out there, we did it, and then it was over. I barely have memories of doing that or Broken Heart. Uh, so with that, I don't really have newer memories. If I had any at all, it would be probably early on doing it with Keith. Sometimes I would do it with Kevin as well, um, but mostly with Keith. And also because I've watched the video of us doing it at Stoney's so many times that I even have memories of just the video. <laughs> I noticed that I'm a very visual learner and when I was uh, learning Bring It from Rachel's uh, tutorial video the other day and I was trying to go over it in my head afterwards, I was seeing her do it. So I think in the future if I, if I need to learn complicated dances, I, I should probably look for a good clear video just so I can practice that or record myself doing it so that I can see myself doing the proper steps. That makes sense. Yeah. It's hard for me to have memories where there isn't a visual attached to it. Even with some of the music that I've been thinking of, I, I don't remember just the song or, and the feeling, but like what I saw at the time in college, what the, what the decorations in my house looked like. Um, huh. Even for like the secret songs for early, early back, those might be hazier because I was really young then, like probably between five and seven, something like that. So I don't have the clearest visuals for that, but um, for the later ones, definitely. Like high school and college, I remember little flashes of what I would have been looking at while that song was playing, even if it was just my CD player. Sounded like you had a thought. Yeah, you were talking about visually learning, and I was like trying to figure it out. Maybe that's why I have such a hard time going over steps in my head, is because I'm not a visual learner. I'm very much with the auditory. Like, I hear certain way things are called, and if they're called in the same way with the same pitch and inflections and whatnot, it'll stick. And then I feel the dances like I'm very much with the beat and with the how they hit the lyrics and which is why certain dances are really really easy for me to pick up because of how well they're choreographed to the lyrics or the beat versus other ones that are kind of more on the lack of a better term arbitrary steps Forced. like yeah it, it doesn't quite hit the way it should um for my body to like really just feel it um but yeah like I think about how I learn and I think about like how I teach too and then um I was thinking about a couple of the students that we were teaching and I know some of them you know it helps for them to say it with you or they'll um one of our, our students I think it was Patrick last night while we were dancing K's for Kicks, I heard him calling out the steps the way I call out the steps. So it, it makes me wonder if maybe that's it for me too. It's the matter of like hearing it. So. Yeah, because I always wonder how you're able to like go over the dance steps in your head the way you do and just like have the dance. And it's like, what? How'd you do that? <laughs> yeah, I definitely need to process all the connections and where in space the body should be 
at different times. And if I don't, if I'm not given enough time to make that connection, if I have to rush to the next thing and all I'm doing is mimicking, it's not going to stick. I have to be able to reconstruct the entire dance in my head, almost like I have like Lego for dance in my head and I need to be able to rebuild it so that I can do it and I can do it anywhere and I can play the song in my head Um, otherwise I'll be completely dependent on people around me doing it and then I'm not really learning it yeah I've I've definitely gotten used to the idea of um, not giving you the answer however sometimes I still slip up because I get so excited when I know the answer because <laughs> it's so rare that I know the answer and you don't <laughs> when it comes to line dance. Um, but I remember we had a conversation about letting you get to the answer yourself. Otherwise, you're, you're always going to miss it. Yeah, and that's happened where, like, if I learn something wrong or, like, not wrong exactly, but if I learn something without attending to that, it'll always be this hole that... I have to, like, actively remind myself, oh, this is the part you need to not forget. Yeah. But if I just learn it properly the first time and it all flows the way it's supposed to, then I don't even think, I don't have to think about it. It's just part of the dance. Yeah. So what's our next question? Next question is number 92. What's the worst backhanded compliment you could give someone? I don't want to give people backhanded compliments. There's definitely a way that people can accidentally give backhand compliments that they don't realize. Um, and it, it's it's tricky because there's fine lines. Like a lot of people, as of late, have been like, "Oh my God, you've lost so much weight," and it's like, "What do you mean, oh my God?" <laughs> You know, it's like, it happens. Thanks. I hope I look good. (laughs) Yeah, because then there's the idea that, well, um, you were fat before. Yeah. And that was wrong and your body was bad. Or, (laughs) oh my God, never thought you could pull it off. Never thought you had that kind of discipline to try. Yeah. As opposed to some people who are like, have you been losing weight? Mm. You know, it's it's a little bit different than a... (laughs) oh my god it's like ouch thanks or the your hair yeah what about my hair (laughs) did you change it it's like okay thanks you you get that instant panic it's like it's very weird because it's a lot of it's shallow stuff um because of the idea that you're like you do that like oh do I look bad but at the same time, you know, we all want to look good. I'm trying to think of, like, other backhand compliments, like, I've been given. Because I, I really try hard not to do the backhanded compliment. Um, you know, if a person has a sedentary job and you tell them it looks like they've been putting in a lot of hours at work. Ouch. Kind of sounds like they're uh, sitting a lot. Because, yeah. again, like... I, I just try and give genuine compliments like yeah I love your outfit I love how you look today and it's like oh I find it really really funny a lot of people although the last couple times that this is not the case but a lot of people will comment on my hair and I'll be like thanks I showered 
<laughs> Something weird like that where it's like, I didn't do anything to it. All I did was wash it. Makes me wonder if you pay attention or what, because I wash my hair a lot. <laughs> it's funny, one of the seniors at um, one of the places I, I do gigs, just the other day, she had this really nice like wave thing going on with her hair. So uh, I asked if she like had it styled or, or anything because it looked really good. And she said, oh, I barely ran a comb through it. All right. Yeah. yeah. She appreciated know. it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times, generally speaking, I, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt that they didn't mean for it to sound the way it came out. Mm. And I just take it as the compliment. Um, I'm trying to think in any line dance context, like what someone could say. Maybe if they said like, if, if you just totally messed up and I, mean, I don't know, even then people just laugh it off. But like if you, I don't know, were completely ridiculous and like tried to jump over a chair and like fell over and tripped and brought down a table full of drinks or something. Then, you know, maybe somebody at the end of the night says, like, well, you've definitely created an unforgettable experience for everyone in the room. It's like, yeah, you brought shame to yourself and your family, and we will never let you live it down. That's how that could be read. Dishonor on you, dishonor <laughs> on your cow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I generally try and avoid backhanded compliments, and yeah. I don't think line dancers typically give them either. No, I don't think so. I just don't, so. don't tend to hear them. And if they're the kind of people who say those things, I probably don't hang out with them. Right. It just doesn't naturally occur. Number 93, what's the most interesting documentary you've ever watched? And I'm going to say the entire Planet Earth series. Oh, God, there's so many. So many. Definitely Planet Earth. That was really cool. Um... Oh, it's so... What is it? It's a History Channel one. It's like the men who built America. Mm. That was really cool. Um, a really interesting but very emotionally upsetting would be um, the shark one I just told you about. What was mm. it again? Is it one where like they're they're killing them in shark water China or something, something like, that? like that? It, it talks about... That's the dolphin one. Um, well, it really goes over, like, um, Japan. what's happening with the, the finning and the oh, catching yeah. sharks and the, all of that kind of stuff. Like, it's, it's extremely informative. I did not realize it was what it was. Mm. Um, oh, what was the killer whale one? Uh, I haven't seen it. Oh, there was one. I can't think. Of, I think it's Blackfish? Oh, that I'm, sounds familiar. That's been that, on my list to that watch. That was really cool. Like, again, very, like, had it ups and downs for me emotionally. Um, but that was really cool to watch. Oh, God. I love documentaries. Mm, I'm, same. I'm such a nerd for, especially, especially for any type of nature or animal or anything like that kind of documentaries. But I definitely... Um, I really wish I remembered what the title of the men who build America or how America was made or those both sound familiar yeah it was something like that I know it was a history channel and it was really cool because I learned a lot of different things about a lot of different big names that you hear 
that I didn't realize were associated with these other things? A few that come to mind that I remember watching during this little stretch, probably around 2008, because that was a different... I had a different sort of set of life choices then. Wore a lot of Birkenstocks. Um, <clears throat> a lot of the Michael Moore stuff. Um, super uh, supersized me. I thought it was interesting and gross. Um, yeah, that's why I never watched it. Fast Food Nation, I think, was a documentary. I don't remember. Yeah, the... it was. Okay. Um, Who Killed the Electric Car. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. And one... Yes. Um, one that I highly recommend that probably nobody would think to watch, but you should because it's interesting. Helvetica. And it's the story of the font Helvetica. And when they tell you about how deep it runs through current culture, you'll see it everywhere. It's kind of nuts. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And it talks about typography in general. Cool. Yeah. But it was highly recommended to me, so when I when I watched it, uh, it, it lived up to it. You know, now I'm pass, passing that along to others. Yeah. I li- yeah, I like a lot of the, again, like I said, any of the nature or the animal ones is generally where I lean towards... Um, just because they're really cool, you find a lot of cool things and little tidbits and, you know, completely useless information and, like, I was watching something recently, it was a clip about some little baby bird that somebody posted on Facebook that, like, after only a few weeks takes this, like, leap of faith off this cliff and you're watching it and then about halfway down it starts hitting every rock on the way down and so like my heart is just dropping each time and then at the very end like our two adult geese or whatever and the bird just kind of shakes its head and like like ouch that hurt and then gets up and starts walking and you're like what the heck how did this little thing survive so I'm definitely interested in that kind of stuff, even if it takes my heart for a couple leaps. Um, I generally, I've tr- as much as I love crime scene drama stuff, I generally avoid real crime dramas, like the real telling of like how certain crime. I, I can't. Um, however. A series on Netflix, which I sat down and watched um, with Denise, who is the woman I'm staying with at the moment, um, the other night is called Origins or Origin, and it tell it's it's each episode is how something came about, and the one we ended up watching was the theater and circuses, and oh, there was something else. It was, like, stage performances or something like that. Like, and it went through all the different things of, like, how they started and, like, how they came about to be what they are today. And that's... I was, that was really cool. I definitely want to watch a few more of those episodes. I would like if somebody would make a documentary about line dance. That would be cool. Yeah. And then that would tie, it up, tie the uh, question back into line dance. I don't think I've seen many dance documentaries. If I have, I don't remember. I don't know. Like dance documentaries are a little bit more tricky. I like dance movies, but I don't know if you could do a dance documentary. Number ninety-four. 
What was the last song you sang along to? Oh, that's weird. Okay, I this wasn't really singing along to it, so maybe I shouldn't ca- uh, count it. But uh, I was singing Runaway Train by Soul Asylum when you came to the door. <laughs> yeah. uh... And as far as a song playing that I sang along to, maybe High Voltage by Electric Six? But I lately have just been kind of listening to it, so I don't know if I actually sang to it. Love You More, Mount Cashmore. I was singing along to it last night. Oh. Oh, gosh, I didn't even think about all the stuff that played last night. Maybe it was one of those, since we had a whole night of dancing at uh, Twin Oaks Roadhouse. Yeah, because I remember at a point I was singing um, to our friend Natalie, which I don't normally do over the mic. I don't normally sing. Normally, I make sure the mic is on mute before I start singing. Maybe it was I Love a Rainy Night. That was one of my lessons last night. Might have been Beautiful Girl by Dean Brody, which was another one of my lessons last night. Huh. Anywho, that was a quick answer. Number 95. What? what? We are still en route for anybody who's wondering what that sound effect was. <laughs> Unexpected breaks. A lot of brake lights up ahead. Number 95. What's the funniest thing you've done or had happen while your mind was wandering? I don't know. Oh, my mind was wandering. When does my mind wander? I'm not used to stopping way back here. Huh. I wonder how far we are from our destination. When does my mind wander? And what could possibly happen that would be a funny thing for me to do or have happen other than, like, traffic incidents? Because I know that uh, I've been, like, listening to podcasts when, like, somebody zooms past me on the left or something. But that's not really mind-wandering. That's mind-listening to podcasts. I don't know. That's a tricky one. If nothing comes to you, we might just want to skip this one. Yeah, I'm good with that because I also want to focus on driving at the moment. Oh yeah, I don't know what changes are tricky. Going on with people. Yeah. Yep, we're in one of those situations. Three lanes on this side of the highway. If anyone wants to come to California, this is probably on the easier side compared to say LA, but you'll still want to be ready for people driving around at 10, 11 p.m. on a Friday on the way to Sacramento. Anyhow, number 96, what app can you not believe someone hasn't made yet? Oh boy, does this relate to Lion Dance. Somebody out there, please steal this idea and have an app suggest what Lion Dance to do when whatever song is playing. If you don't know any Lion Dances to that song or if there aren't any, that's fine. It can just detect the beats per minute and suggest to you some common line dance that a lot of people would probably know. And um, if you want to go even the extra mile and uh, import information about dances you know, then it can suggest to you directly what dances of your repertoire would best fit that song. So yeah, I cannot believe... Well, I can, I can kind of believe. Line dance is pretty niche. But uh, it would still be nice if somebody would make that app. Just Agreed. Have, like basic recommendations. Maybe even off of what somebody else has done and selected 
to this track. All right, now I think is a good time for us to take a pause and a stretch break. And we are coming up on a gas station, which I I believe is uh, uh, a welcome sight this deep into our drive. If anyone else out there has driven a distance similar to that from Sonoma County to Sacramento, and you have favorite things that you like to do uh, along the way to help break it up, uh, let us know. All right, we'll talk to you in a bit. All right, we are back in traffic on Line Dance Podcast with Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Bersulia. And we were doing some additional thought on apps that we can't believe no one's invented yet. And we're actually having a tough time of it because the consensus seems to be that if we were able to think of these kinds of things, then maybe we would be like millionaires or something. And as (laughs) soon as they come out with the app, we'll be like, oh, that was so silly. I could have done that. But that's where we are right now of, no, we can't because we can't think of it. (laughs) I haven't researched anything yet, but to know if there actually is, but I would be intrigued if there was some type of like wine or beer recommending app too. Hmm. Like you can put in like the places you've tried and what you like and they could be like, oh, you can try this. Hmm. For those who like those kind of beverages. One thing that I was thinking of, if you had something that could measure the temperature of... Oh, wow, I'm touching my own microphone. Um, That must have been fun for anybody who was listening for the last few seconds. Anyway, um, if you had, like, just a balloon, a balloon with um, some kind of infrared scanner pointed at the beach, maybe it could be a fun-looking balloon so people don't feel like they're being surveilled or anything. (laughs) Um, If you had an infrared scanner pointed at the beach that connected to an app that told you the temperature of the sand on different parts of the beach, you could find the coolest spot. Because when you look out at it all, it all just looks like sand. You don't know what's going to be the really hot, painful, running to the shore part, and what's going to be kind of mellow, because there's a nice breeze curving around against the side of the hill right at that spot. Um... That would just be one of those fun little things. It doesn't have to be complicated. You only need like the two pieces of equipment and uh, people could go to that particular spot. And really when you think about it, that could be made for any surface where people are going outside. If there's a special, if like let's say you're going to a park and there's one really breezy spot that's been cold all day or breezy all day, then if you have sensors that are letting you know what the very small micro conditions of weather are in that park, then you know on any given day where people should set up their stuff. As well as over the long term, if you wanted to get weird about it, capitalist and stuff, then you can see where people are most likely to hang out so you can put advertisements there. Because I have seen uh, beaches where they put advertisements on the outside of the garbage barrels that they leave out. There's always a way to make a buck. I guess. 
Also, it might be good if you're in a dance environment to have a map, uh, an up-to-date map over the course of the night of the decibel level or estimated decibel level of music in different spots on the floor so you know where your spot should be for greatest comfort. (coughs) (coughs) We're going to try not to breathe the saliva as we (laughs) conduct this podcast. Uh, If you go to the DJ and ask them to turn the music down, there is a possibility, depending on the DJ, that they will turn the music up. So rather than try to affect change or maximize your comfort in that way, you can take your phone, and there are apps that show you the sound level. Uh, I actually used one in an especially loud room where we were dancing within the last month. And I could see, oh yeah, this is louder than it should be. Or even though it seems kind of loud, according to this, it's within safe levels, I'll take my earplugs out. If you could establish that with small uh, sound sensors posted throughout the room, then you know mathematically it should be able to calculate, well, if, if 10 feet away it's this level and 20 feet away it's this level, then you can estimate what the level is you know, part of the way between 10 and 20. This, with enough sensors, could give you an idea of where the sweet spot is on the floor. So it's not so quiet that you lose immersion, but it's also not so loud that you are uncomfortable. True. So yeah, I I can definitely believe why that app doesn't exist, but still, someone please still make some money. Sponsor the podcast. (laughs) All right. Next question. Number 97. When was the last time you facepalmed? Again with the negative questions. When was the last time you facepalmed? For people who aren't familiar with that term, it's that feeling of, I can't believe he said that, or I can't believe that just happened, or I knew that was coming, and you just put your face in the palm of your hand. last time you facepalmed? I can't think of a specific... Last night, at the end of the night. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, I didn't do it on the outside, because we're professionals. But, uh, there were, there was definitely a feeling that I think we shared of, I'm glad they're having fun. This was at our, um, dance night where we were we were hosting line dance and it was advertised as line dance um, mostly for folks who were responsibly consuming their adult beverages with meals and also for other people so there was a little bit of oh gosh well no one's getting hurt and most of the folks have cleared out it's the end of the night they're having a good time They keep this place going. We'll keep an eye on the situation, but otherwise I think it'll be okay. Mostly. See, I have more of the eye roll than the face palm. Yeah, I can see it being more of something like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's rare that I do the face palm with the oi. Yeah. And a lot of times, I don't even do that. I do a, like, hang my head. Mm. Like, oh, did that really just happen? Okay. Mm. Smile. <laughs> but an actual, like, face palm, it's very rare for me to... I did have one of those covering my mouth moments when I saw the damage to the driver's side of my car about a month ago and then noticed that I couldn't open the door from the inside or the outside and I was just like, hum, hum, <laughs> all right, um, this will have to be dealt with somehow. I'm gonna, gonna just accept this is, this is where we are on the universe's life path for me. Could be worse. Yeah, I had no idea how to deliver that news to you. So I was just like, you need to come outside. Yeah. I, yeah, it was a surprise. I, I can't describe this in any way that is, you need to come outside. Yeah, yeah so I guess that I, my face was technically in my palm. It was just the <laughs> mouth part of my face. All right, next question. Hey, here we go. Positive question. <gasps> if you were given $5 million to open a small museum, what kind of line dance <laughs> museum would you create? <laughs> Definitely a line dance museum. Yes. Considering that's something that we're trying to do anyways, yes. in a certain degree. Um, maybe not necessarily like an actual like museum. I would want there to be interactive exhibits. I but, always enjoy those at museums. Yes. Um, I I like the idea For those who've seen it The movie um, A League of Their Own At the very end When they go back And they go And they open their The Women's Hall of Fame And they get to walk through And they see all these pictures And cardboard cutouts of them And stuff like that That would be really cool To have stuff like that As well as Obviously like Interactive and like immersive and virtual reality and stuff like that. That would be really cool. Um, I think some uh, silent disco going on would be really, really neat. I would um, want to do like virtual reality where you can dance with Rachel. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that would be really cool. Like Star Tours. And definitely have like the step books and the old line dancer magazines and those kind of things. Like, preserved that would be really that would be really cool maybe um, a small reading room like how some um, some some museums like the, the academy for researchers will let you behind the scenes yeah. and look at their special collections right something like that would be really cool yeah, yeah. That's, that's an easy one though yeah yeah I mean originally it said what kind of museum but I know we would both go with what kind of line dance Oh, yeah. It just goes without saying. Yeah, definitely. Next up, which of your vices or bad habits would be the hardest to give up? The internet. Excessive <laughs> internet. <laughs> oh, it's so true. Yeah. That's um, definitely mine. I don't know. That's a tough one. Maybe fruit juice, if you consider sugar without all the other nutritional content to be a, a vice. See, I, I love fruit juice. I used to say coffee. <laughs> but, uh, but it's been eight months. <laughs> so 
so it makes me wonder what else I'm capable of. Um, I think, I think movies. I think it'd be hard for me to give up like Netflix and movies and whatnot, which then comes with the internet because that also includes like YouTube and whatnot. Um, so I guess I guess your answer for the internet would certainly be one of those for me. Um, and sadly, because it's a little bit different for me than it is for you, my phone. But I use my phone the same way you use your laptop. I do documents on it. I do research on it, I listen to music on it, I search for new music on it, I record on it. So it's like, my phone is the equivalent of your laptop. So I think that would be really hard for me to let go of. Because like, yes I text message every once in a while, and yes I call people every once in a while, but mostly it's used for internet purposes. Glad it's not anything physically addictive. That would be a lot worse, I think. Yeah, definitely. Number 99. That was number 99. Number 100. (laughs) What really needs to be modernized? We're trying. It's in the process of it. But the image of line dance. I can see that. Everybody still thinks it's just country stuff. And a lot of people still refer to it as country line dancing. And a lot of people dress the the part of a country line dancer. And a lot of people are very still stuck in their way of like what their idea of line dancing is. And I, I know we're doing a really good job in a lot of areas of modernizing it and showing people that it's all genres of music and it's all levels of dancing, it's all styles of dancing, um, but it's a slow process. Yeah, we need more ambassadors to like go into the schools, tell them what what is involved with the two terms or the two words, lion dance. Um, so that they don't hear it from someone else. Okay. Step sheets, I think. I mean, if you call it modernization, just the idea that there is possible um, a universal language for line dance step sheets. I think it would be nice if people embraced it. I know that people have their feelings about how they word things, and you know, some people think that theirs is better. But I think that there are a lot of benefits from universalizing it. I would recommend that anybody interested in that idea look up the term kickish. Uh, K-I-C-K-I-S-H. It's something that uh, Peter Blaskowski and I think possibly Max Perry developed together that breaks down most of what can be done in line dance into a finite set of terms that you then just recombine into other combination steps. Uh, when you when you universalize the language of line dance, then you can translate it more easily into other languages, and that's something that is very modern. You know, this idea like Google Translate can 
have you speak into a phone and then have it talk out whatever the other person's language is. I like the idea that you can submit your step sheet and either write it or have it translated into Kickish, the universal line dance language, and then from there have it be retranslated into so many other languages, including like Pig Latin, like anything, anything that has a structure in it. Um, that would be nice. Also, if there was some more direct connection between what's on a step sheet and what people are actually using for learning. Like, if you could have a hologram or a computer simulation or computer animation dance what is on your step sheet, I find that a lot of people, like you know myself, uh, really prefer to see the dance and maybe have the steps from the step sheet as a supplement to that. And if, if you're able to learn just from the step sheet, it's fine. Like, maybe it can be um, done. But for me, it, it's while it's precise, it's also slow. And it's, it's a lot quicker to just kind of monkey see, monkey do out in the lobby before you have to go out and do a demo of that dance. You know, I could try to break down all the steps from the step sheet, but it will take longer. Yeah. Uh, that would be a modern expansion upon both the idea of YouTube videos that teach you the dance and step sheets on a website that teach you the dance. This would kind of combine both of those. So it would be even more modern than what we have now. Yeah. I'm still on the fence with some of the modernizations that are going on in line dance at the moment. Like, for instance, what is it? DJ feed? Is that what we were using in Oregon? Yeah. Like, it was cool because... You were able to be in the all request room slash beginner room the whole time it was open and not miss taking notes for what was being played in the main ballroom. And I know that that was a nice stress relieving uh, situation for you. Yeah. For me, however, I felt like it almost split it more. Because like, I hardly saw anybody in the all request room and it took some of the surprise away from it. But at the same time, I liked the idea that like, there was a couple dances that I was not expecting to get played that were played that allowed me to book it to the main ballroom, dance that one or two dance, and then go back to the all request room. Um, so I'm still on the fence. I think I need a little bit more interaction with it before I'm able to like really make up my mind. You know, one of the things I think Vegas does really well is they give equal treatment to the request rooms of size of ballroom. Yeah. And with the screens in every room. So you're kind of compelled to see what's happening in the other room. You can choose not to use the app and, you know, look at DJ feed or whatever. Um, or if you don't even have access to it. Yeah. And that'll keep you in the main ballroom because you figure the odds are better that even if you're sitting out of some stuff, you'll also like the other stuff. Whereas the odds are not as good in the all-request room because you have no idea what's going to be played. Yeah. You don't know what the tone is going to be. I think some of it also might be because there is unequal treatment at most of these events for the all-request room. And, you know, for practical reasons, not as many people tend to use them. But it might be like a chicken and egg thing where uh, people don't want to go to the little room with the inferior floor. 
if that's what they think they're going to get. In the nice ballroom, people tend to invest more money, nice, smooth, seamless transitions between floor panels, and it's expected that there are going to be played like floor filler dances in that room. That's why they need that much space. But in the all-request room, yeah, it might be some obscure regional dance that they know they couldn't get away with asking for in the big room. Yeah. And if you don't know obscure regional dance, then why go in if, if you're more of a typical circuit dance kind of dancer? And I think with Windy City and Vegas, they both do a really good job of providing lots of space so that you can put in like floor filler dances and not have people dancing in the aisles or the hallway and also give people that sort of esteem of like I'm not in the bad room or the cast off room I'm in a good room that's similar to the main ballroom yeah yeah that's one of the things that I like also about how Vegas names their ballrooms is they don't say you know, they don't make it really overt that this is main this is other other kind of room they just say you know Grand ballroom, majestic ballroom. They all sound (laughs) good. You know, they all sound like the place to be. Yeah. I can certainly see that. Yeah. So maybe that's a modernization that they've done that other people might want to pick up. Yep. Like we were talking to somebody about how Europe is starting to pick up like this American style of event. And because we're from here and we're used to these events, we just think, well, that's just what events are. Mm -hmm. But they have kind of a different format that they've used for a long time. And in a way, they're sort of modernizing by adopting uh, principles from other events. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see what we have next here. Actually, you know, that was number 100. Well, 101's a quick one. When was the last time you slept more than nine hours? 102 is also um, an easy one. I don't typically sleep more than nine hours. I will go ahead and include sleeping, waking up, and going back to sleep. But I definitely, like, hardly left my bed last Sunday. There you go. I was awake. (laughs) I was very much awake. But I just didn't do anything. (laughs) I think mine might have been last night. I woke up around, like, I don't know, morning, sometime during the morning... I went back to sleep and woke up again in the afternoon. Yeah. We got to sleep pretty late because we left Twin Oaks pretty late. Yeah, I don't think I got to bed until like 1 o'clock last night and then my alarm went off at 7. So, and then I had to work at 10.30. So I definitely didn't get the 9 hours or more. Next one is another easy one. How comfortable are you in speaking in front of large groups of people? Depends on the topic. Well... Teaching a line dance lesson, let's say. Well, if I am in the mindset that I will be teaching, going into the big room of people, it's definitely different than if I was to be thrown to the wolves. I still love you, Bracken. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm, I'm fairly confident when I know the dance. And when I know the dance, I feel like I can teach it to one person or I can teach it to 100 people or 300 people. It wouldn't matter because it's the dance that I'm comfortable with. When I'm unsure of how to teach the dance, then the nerves creep in. 
I would say I'm fearless in front of large groups of people, and uh, the explanation I give to people if they ask about that kind of thing is that musical theater beat it out of me. See, I wish. I still, musical theater did not. Yeah, I think this next question we're going to have to put off for another time. It is number 103. What is your worst example of procrastination? <laughs> worst example? Mm-hmm. <laughs> As in, like, we actually got something done? Or <laughs> <laughs> worst example as in, like, this is the worst procrastination story I've ever experienced because I still haven't done what I need to do. I mean, it could really go either way because I, I, I have examples of each of those. Um, the second one, you know, being like disastrous in some cases. And the first one, like, I was supposed to, I was setting aside time to do this thing. And then before I knew it, I had a dance. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I guess we'll come back to that another time. Yeah. Uh, we are nearly here at. Stoney's Rock and Rodeo. We can actually see it from where we are on the road. We're just about to pull into the parking lot and find ourselves a spot. If we can. If we can. The time is now 10.50, so the evening is definitely underway. And I'm sure most of the people who intended to be here tonight are already here. So we may end up looping around a couple of times uh, to find a nearby spot. Until... Next time, though, this has been Christopher Gonzalez with Megan Marcelia on the Line Dance Podcast. And until next time, we will see See you you on on the the dance dance floor. floor.